Are you a busy woman who at times struggles with reducing your daily stress? Do you know that you need to slow down but do not know how? If you're looking at reducing your daily stress, you're in the right place. My name is Denise Eckert and I welcome you to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. I just love interviewing guests so they can share their stress-reducing tips and techniques with you. Now, if you find this podcast helpful, please share it with someone who struggles with stress because lowering our stress will make us a better person, a happier partner, mom, friend, neighbor, etc. And the best part is happiness is contagious. Enjoy this episode. Hi there, it's Denise Eckert, the host of the Relaxation Lounge, and I love coming on here and sharing different ideas to help you lower the stress in your life. And today is a little bit different. It is talking about stress-free decision-making. And today I've got Elizabeth Ann Walker. She's a visionary and founder of EAWTC, and it's transforming lives worldwide through her groundbreaking personal development company. As Australia's top integrated NLP trainer, she shared stages with renowned leaders like Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, and so many more. And now with 25 plus years of experience and her life-changing emotional change technique, Elizabeth empowers individuals to unlock their potential for profound growth. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, Denise. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and to speak with your you and your audience. I'm excited <laughs> for what we're going to talk about today because it's actually a passion piece of mine. I love talking about how we make decisions. I love talking about why we make decisions. And I love speaking into the conditioning that's happened through societal norms in terms of decision making. And decision making can be very stressful because you you're second guessing yourself and it can be very very stressful. So what inspired you to to do this type of work? Yeah, so I had a very interesting journey. I grew up in a beautiful home with beautiful parents and everything was easy. And a lot of people go, "Well, how did you end up where you are because you're supposed to have this difficult story?" And my difficult story didn't start until after I'd left home. So I got married to who I thought was the love of my life and realized that at 22, I didn't know much and I didn't know much about life either. I had no idea how to make decisions and I ended up in a 13-year abusive marriage and ended up being rescued by the police in a helicopter with my children from an island. And so this concept of coming into personal growth, I went straight out of that and hardcore into that masculine side that we can all do so beautifully and was driven and powerful. And I was like, I'm going to give my kids the best opportunities that they can have because it doesn't matter. I don't need a man. I'm a woman. I can do it. And I had all of these very strong ideas and ideals and I worked really hard and I got really tired. And I eventually burnt out. And it wasn't actually until I met my current husband, who is absolutely wonderful and beautiful, that it gave me an opportunity to actually stop and reflect. And when that happened, I actually fell apart and I got really sick because all of that trauma from those 13 years was suddenly given permission to come forward in my body because I was in a place where someone could hold me. And I was in a place where I felt safe. And this leads a lot into decision-making because decision-making is harder depending on how safe we feel, right? So I went into that. I got incredibly unwell. I had 47 operations in a three-year period 
And it was at the end of that that I actually went along to a Tony Robbins seminar, who I now speak with on stages, and I'd had one of the surgeries had severed my femoral nerve in my leg and had left me in a wheelchair for two years. And I went along to this seminar and they do a fire walk and they wheeled my wheelchair up to the fire. And I was like, you guys are crazy. This thing has rubber wheels. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, two assistants helped me stand up and I walked across the fire and I never went back in my wheelchair. And I was like, I need to know what this is. I need to know how this works. I need to know everything about the human brain, the way that the brain functions, the way that we create decisions in our life, the way that we hormonally create that, the way that we energetically create that. And I just set off on a path of human discovery and in the process realized I could help a lot of people. And so I went on to do that. And I absolutely love what I do these days. Wow, quite the story. Not too many people get rescued off an island with your children in a bad situation. And I'm no. happy that you're in such a better place. Now- the of all of that is that my ex-husband has actually done a full 360. He's actually come in one of my training rooms and done my course. And he's now on a full personal development journey. So for those of you that may be thinking, oh, I've been through that and I haven't, it's never going to heal. Keep going with yourself and eventually others will heal too. Now, decision makings. So what steps can we take to make better decisions in our lives? Yeah, so I like to talk about this in terms of the comfort zone, right? So when we're in our comfort zone, decisions inside our comfort zone that meet us there are relatively easy to meet. Like what underpants will I wear today? That's inside our comfort zone. It's very easy to make the decision of underpants because there's a couple of things that you might have to consider, like are you bloated from the night before? What time of the month is it if you're a woman? But other than that, there's no big life-changing event that's going to occur if you wear the wrong underpants, right? But when we get to decisions outside our comfort zone, we have to traverse an adventure. And I like to think of it as an adventure. So we come out of the comfort zone and have a look around and it's a little bit like coming out of a box and peering over the edge and going, oh, what's out there? And we enter this zone called the fear zone. And this is where we feel uncomfortable. And most people are actually okay in the fear zone. They're actually okay to be a little bit uncomfortable to make a decision that could be life-changing or make a decision that could have consequences that last for a long time. Most people are actually okay sitting in this fear zone. The closer we get to that decision, the closer we get to a thing called the panic zone. And this is where we start to freak out because even though we're looking over the box, it's dark there. We've never been there before. We don't know what it is. And our brains are beautiful, beautiful creatures that love to warn us of danger. A lot of people think our brains are about having a great time in life, being successful, creating a life that we love. Our brains are not designed to do that. Our brains are designed to keep us safe. Our brains are designed to actually maintain the status quo. And they function in a way that they obey the rules that you've set for them in the past. So as you get closer and closer to the decision and you get closer and closer to the panic zone, there's this little thing inside our brain called the amygdala and it's our fight or flight response. And normally it's covered by this beautiful cortex of our brain, the place where we make high level decisions. As we get to the panic zone, our brain goes, 
hold up, we haven't been here before. And the cortex goes away and the amygdala takes over. And it is not great at decisions. It's great at running away. It's great at fighting for something we believe in. And so we run back to the fear zone quick smart and jump straight back into our comfort zone box. And we peer out going, why this is so hard, right? And then we use the language of it's so hard and that language it's so hard actually creates even more panic in our brain so that next time we go there, it's even harder again because we've reinforced the behavior. We've reinforced the fact that decision-making is hard. Decision-making is scary. And so we need to use a technique where we make small decisions successfully in order that we can come face-to-face with that panic zone and recognize that it's actually okay because our animalistic nature is always going to tell us to run away. And so I wonder if you've ever seen a a little puppy first go on grass, right? You you go and you buy a puppy and you bring him home and he's all cute and he's in your laundry or he's in your utility room and he's, he's like really cute. And then he walks out on the grass and he's like, like this with his little feet are up and they don't know whether they're allowed to go down that's the puppy entering the entering the fear and the panic zone and usually they go a few steps and then they run back to mom or dad and for safety and that's exactly what our brains do we're not that different from animals in these states so we have to make a series of small decisions that are successful ones that we know that are not going to completely impact our whole life. Ones that we know where no one's going to die, no one's going to collapse, we're not going to lose all our money. And these decisions can be really, really simple because all we have to do is do something different. And so if you've got a big decision coming up and you know that it's going to be scary or hard, this is going to sound really weird. My advice is pick your toothbrush up in the other hand, right? Sounds so ridiculous, but we always brush our teeth with the same hand and that feels safe for our brain. So when we go to brush our teeth with the other hand, no one's going to die. No one's going to be terribly impacted. However, our brain will go, oh, it gets curious and it goes, what are we doing? I don't, I don't know if I know how to do this with this hand. This is different. And there's no panic zone. We're just entering the fear zone. The brain will have a momentary panic when your hand kind of wobbles around and doesn't know which way to go. However, once you brush your teeth with that hand, and if you practice that for a few days, your brain will go, oh, yeah, okay, this is cool. I can do this. And so we want to do those things that release those beautiful hormones that teach our brain that it's okay to do things differently because we're creatures of habit. So when it comes to those big, what about the big, big life decisions, ones where someone could die? the ones where someone could actually be making a life or death decision. A great way to do this is have someone with you that you trust. And this is because when you hit that fear zone, guess what else goes offline? Your ears. Your ears just totally disappear and you don't hear any of the information that you need, right? And I always tell people, like, if you've got to go to the doctor to hear about a diagnosis or if you've got to go to um, the school to hear about whether your child's going to be expelled or if you're going to find out some big information that's going to change the trajectory of your life, it's always great to ask whether you can bring a support person who's not emotionally involved. So it's not enough to necessarily have your husband or your wife or your sister there. 
You need someone who's just that little bit further removed so that when that panic zone shows up, their ears are still working even though yours have already shut down because you're so loud in your head talking in your head that your ears aren't hearing anything external. So we, when we're making big decisions, it's great to have a trusted mentor or a coach or someone who you can take with you to help you hear the information so that later when you're not face-to-face with the fear, you can actually have a logical conversation about it and talk about what you really want and how you'd like to approach it. And then that person can come with you into that fear panic zone and guide you across the threshold. So to speak. I love that because I mean, even if you've got someone there for support, even just eye contact or a smile, or this is not so bad, or I'm there for you. It gives you that it tones you down. So that is great information. Yeah. So what it actually does is it releases this beautiful hormone called oxytocin. If that you're somewhere where you're loved, then oxytocin starts to be released and that actually reduces the adrenaline. So adrenaline is our stress hormone, adrenaline and cortisol. And when we have beautiful oxytocin, which is given to us through a touch, a smile, through someone loving us, it does actually tone us down because it slows down the production of the stress hormones which is incredible. I love how our brain is so clever. <laughs> so now basically what you're saying, my, what I've gotten here is that if you just say you are a business owner, like we are yeah. to constantly make smaller decisions, feel that panic mode and just learn how to get through it. <laughs> yeah. So, so there are some steps you can take, like you don't just have to do it, but I'm talking really small decisions like cleaning your teeth with the other hand, washing mm-hmm. your body with the other hand, stepping out your front door with the other foot, getting into your car differently. Like you might get into your car with your right leg first. So try putting your bottom in first and swinging your legs around. It's about doing small things consistently differently so that our brain gets conditioned to do things differently because right now our brains are conditioned to do the same thing over and over, which is why we're really good at getting dressed, right? Because we know how to do that. We've done it a million times. Our brain feels comfortable with it and you can do those decisions easily. So as well as just making the decisions and getting over it and getting used to it, another thing that we can do is practice what it would feel like to make pretend decisions. Now, our brain, funnily enough, can't tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. It's it's a beautiful thing. And so we can imagine making decisions. And this is a piece that a lot of people leave out when they actually have to make a decision. But what you can do is instead of overthinking the decision and going round and round in your head, you can create a visualization. So say the decision was to move states, for example, right? You're moving from one state to another state. You don't know anybody there. It's a big decision, but you feel as though there's a great business opportunity there. You would create two visions. The first vision would be of you moving state and the business thriving and the business becoming all that you wanted it to be, which is what you thought the opportunity was. And then you create a vision of the threat. And the threat is you move there and the business collapses. And you watch it like a movie and you watch it play out and you watch what happens if I'm successful and what happens if that works? Who do I become? 
what happens to my life, what happens to my kids, what happens to everyone around me. And then you watch the threat video in your mind's eye and you watch what happens if it doesn't work. And nine times out of ten, if it doesn't work, in the movie in your mind, you will create a different kind of success anyway. Right. So when we create the movie of it not working, we very rarely create our own movie where we burst into flames and die. (laughs) We usually create a movie of the business not working, us crying, perhaps sitting on a floor in an empty house. And then if we keep going with this internal movie, the next idea appears. And often that next idea that appears in the threat video is actually all we need to stay where we are and build our business bigger where we are instead of having to do the whole move into another state. And so you get to explore what your unconscious mind has been trying to tell you to do. And then you just decide which movie. It makes it feel a lot safer. Yeah. Yeah, that's very powerful. So you're visioning the best scenario and then you're visioning the worst disaster. And yes, a lot of times when you are visioning the worst disaster, because I've had that, I've done that exercise before. And yeah, if you keep going, next thing you come up with solutions or other ideas or what have you. I love that. That's great. Yeah, we're solution-based creatures and we're incredible at, like our brain, like I said, that little amygdala inside your brain, its role is to keep you safe. And so when you do the vision of the threat, If you keep going with the vision, because its role is to keep us safe, it will find a way to safety and success, which is really cool. Awesome. Now, I know in the past that a lot of times people do the pro and con list. What are your thoughts on doing that? Look, pros and cons lists can work, and we tend to be really great at deceiving ourselves. So when we write a pros and cons list, we've already made the decision and we will just keep finding more pros for what we want or more cons for what we don't want because we've already made the decision that feels safe. And so we can kind of end up in this situation where we have all these pros for making the decision because that was already the decision we wanted to make. So it's actually usually a procrastination technique. Whereas the visualization can happen quickly, it can happen within a few seconds, and we can make a much faster decision as we learn to trust that technique. So the best way to make decisions is you first of all start off with what is the decision? We have to specify what it is. And then we have to go to this visioning of, okay, what's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? Let's keep visioning through the worst case and see what happens next. Then we'll have two decisions. It's either the decision to stay where we are or go where we want to go, or it's a decision to stay where we are and do something differently, right? And that happens really quickly. If we get to the pros and cons list, we're procrastinating. And so those little decisions that we can make in the meantime that can help us tell our brain that, hey, let's get curious here. Let's try something different. Let It's safe to do something a little bit different. Those little decisions are really the key to all of this because our brain is a creature of habit and we need to teach it to be explorative. We need to teach it to be adventurous because decisions are an actual adventure through the fear zone, across the panic zone and into what I call the success zone. And now what about decision remorse? So once you've made that decision, 
And then all of a sudden you're past that panic zone and you have that remorse. Is there a way to get yourself through that? Yeah. So the only reason you'll have decision remorse is if you haven't done what we call future pacing on the decision. And this is why that vision needs to keep going past that panic zone, right? So once you've made a decision, the best thing to do is say, how will I feel in one year's time and five years time if I make the decision this way? And how will I feel in one year's time or five years time if I make the decision that way? Because we want to do what's called future pacing ourselves. Because if we know that it's going to be tough, like say you did move states and you restarted your business, we know that's going to be a little bit tough in the beginning, right? And so when we're future pacing, we have to go, okay, cool. At one year, we're going to be profitable, but it's still going to be a bit of a slog. But at five years, we're going to be billionaires, for example, then that's going to future pace you so that that buyer's remorse never happens. Buyer's remorse happens by decision remorse. I say buyer's remorse, same thing. Decision remorse happens when we make the decision and don't have a future plan for that decision, right? So it's just a decision we make. So say, for example, we make the decision to dye, like let's take something simple. We dye our hair a different color, right? And then we sit in the hairdresser chair looking at ourselves in the mirror going, oh, my God, maybe I shouldn't have done this right? How easy is it to dye your hair back, right? How easy these days you can just buy a clarifying shampoo and dye your hair back. Like no decision is final, yeah? And so we want to make sure that we know how to make decisions because if we make the wrong one and we have this remorse, we can just make another one. This is the thing people forget. (laughs) This is the thing people forget in decision-making is that we're great at making decisions, so then we can just make another one. (laughs) And yes, sometimes that can cost us a little bit of money or time. However, it's possible to just make another decision. Absolutely. Now, I understand you have some free content on your website. Can you talk about that for a little bit? We do. We have two challenges that would be perfect for this subject. So we have a love yourself challenge and a trust yourself challenge, and they can be accessed through our website which is www.elizabethannwalker.com forward slash evolve. And they can also be accessed through my Instagram page, which is elizabethannwalker underscore E-A-W-T-C. They're in the little highlights circles on my Instagram page. So you can pop over there, jump into those challenges, and you can start to learn to love yourself and trust yourself more, which is going to make decision-making way easier. That sounds awesome. And yes, wherever you're watching or wherever you're listening, I will have Elizabeth's information on here and feel free to reach out and ask her any questions because yeah, it's such great information. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. Such amazing information. Is there words of wisdom that you can leave with the audience? (laughs) Yeah. In this subject, my words of wisdom would be no decision is too small or too great to make another one. Awesome. (laughs) Great. Well, thank Thank you you so much for being here, leaving you all with a gentle reminder to slow down and enjoy life. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. Have you ever wondered what your stress personality is? Are you a self-care goddess or a burnout queen? Well, you can find out by taking my free quiz. You just need to go to www.stressquiz.info to find out where you rank. 
Sending you love and peace, and I'll see you in the next episode.